Hey guys, you're listening to the Refined Podcast, a podcast devoted to leadership, faith, and theology. And today I am your host, Josh Everett. Um, and the guy we have in studio today, I'm thrilled to introduce. He is not only become one of my closest friends, but he is literally the strongest pastor, and I mean the strongest pastor I have ever met, Adam Bruton. Adam, I'm so glad to have you on. Ah, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, let's what what we're going to kind of do is we're going to start out with uh, just tell us who you are, kind of tell us about your family, your ministry, those okay. kinds of things. Well, my name's Adam Bruton. Uh, I'm pastor at Stanford Baptist Church, which is uh, just a small little community town. Um, just outside of Paragold on the way to Walnut Ridge. We have a small little uh, congregation there. I've been there for going on seven years now. Uh, it is my second pastorate, and I pastored at Delaplane, which is my hometown. Uh, mm. My first pastorate, I was there for a little over five. So I've been in the ministry for, oh, just north of 10 years, I guess. Wow. I've got a beautiful wife named Ampty Bruton. She teaches over here at Perigold High School. And a wonderful son, Brock, and uh, they're they're my life and my stronghold. So that's that's pretty much the gist of me for right now. How old's Brock? He's seven. He's seven, going into the second grade. Hey, so he's he's a mess. Those are the good years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you kind of talked about how you you grown up in Del Plain and yeah, and um, the small town mm-hmm. kind of vibe that I'm you know. Paragold's not a huge town. But, no, no. But when you get out really towards that Del Plain, that Fontaine area, right. it's a whole different community. Yeah. Um, Del Plain had 147 whenever I was growing up there. Yeah. So everybody not only knew you, but also knew your business. So me growing up there and then pastoring there, um, it, it came with its own special kind of problems. Well, I remember whenever, you know, I taught your dad in high school or mm-hmm. I remember whenever your mom did this or I remember whenever you was seven, you know. Right. So not necessarily a respect factor, um, but just they look at you different. You, you're not coming in fresh, if if that makes sense. Right. Right. Where was um, where was your first pastorship? That, there at Del Plain. Del Plain. Um, I, I did some fill in. Uh, new friendship a few times. Um, I filled in for Delaplane quite a bit while they was out of the pastor before they hired me. I filled in at Stanford a few times before yeah. that. Just all around Paragould area, Green County, uh, to be honest with you. What what started your journey in faith? Oh, in faith? Yeah. Faith? Like, yeah. Well, whenever I was nine, um, I was saved and baptized. I was saved in my grandmother's kitchen or dining room area, which is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Um, I'd watched my uncle uh, be baptized, and I was really curious about it. Um, it's like, what, what happened? What was that all about, Grandma? And she started telling me, and I said, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe that. I I, I think the same things. Why can't I be baptized? And then we went. Yeah. She, she, she changed from telling me about his story to introducing me to who Christ really is. So I didn't know a whole lot. I mean, obviously, young salvations, some people frown on them. Some people think they're great. For me, I knew that I didn't know everything, and I still know at that point I didn't know. But I knew I needed Christ. I I knew that he was real, and I knew he was somebody that I needed in my life. Wow. So uh, from there, I did the typical teenage thing, you know, turned 13, 15, started driving. (laughs) 
doing my own thing, girls and this and that, you know. Yeah. Um, but whenever I really started getting serious with my now wife, and she was taking me to church, pretty much every time the doors were open, the Holy Spirit really started getting hold of me. I rededicated my life. I rededicated my life to the ministry. I mm. uh, was rebaptized not because I needed it, because I wanted it. Um, and I, I just really turned it all over. Um, one of the deacons there, we were going, we were attending Stanford, and one of the deacons uh, just said, "Well, Adam will do it on a Wednesday night." As I was walking out the door, <laughs> and I spun around and I said, "Is it for God?" He goes, well, yeah. I said, well, absolutely, I'll do it. What is it? <laughs> he said, well, in two weeks, Brother Marion, Marion Graham was the pastor at that time. Yeah. Uh, Brother Marion's going to have to have knee surgery, and we need somebody to fill the pulpit for Sunday morning. I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, we're wow. in. So you can ask my wife, but for the next two weeks, I was I didn't have a desk. All I had was a couple different translations of the Bible, and didn't really even know how to use the internet properly as far as, right. you know, you got to remember this was 10 years ago. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I, I come up with a sermon that God gave me, and by far it's probably the worst effort of me trying to put God's word out there mm. that, that ever happened. But I'm not... I'm not formally educated. I've not been to any seminary. I've not taken any classes. I just, I just study. You had a passion. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I had the Holy Spirit. It's like Jeremiah said, it, it was in my belly. It was hot and it had to come out. Oh, so, yes. I mean, that was, yes, that's pretty much I all I can, it. you know, and from then I've, like I said, I've been pastoring, um, did a tour or two with team impact. That yeah. Was that's what I was really wanting to, that was fun. That was after I surrendered to preach. Okay. So I'd already started. As, How old were you at this time? Because uh, like right now you're like the strongest human I know. So I can well, only imagine. Used to be. Used uh. to be. I appreciate the, the vote of confidence, but but I've I've slacked off a lot lately. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, mid twenties. Okay. I was in my mid twenties. Um, early to mid twenties. Twenty four. Right yeah. in there. Um. Yeah, I uh, I was a new pastor, and a, a gentleman by the name of Toby Talley uh, was part of the Arkansas State Baptist Convention. And he called me up one day, and this was a God thing. This this whole story, you know, I could fill up two podcasts for this, but this whole story was a God thing. Right. Um, I actually played hooky from work one day, and from my, my secular job, my, my bivocational job. And I wanted to ride my motorcycle. I just bought it. I, it was it was my baby. I wanted to ride. So I had my phone in my pocket, and I happened to stop in this absolutely nowhere town at this gas station. I can't even remember where it was now. And as I was pumping gas, my phone rang. I answered. It's Toby Tally. I heard you're a new pastor. You want to go eat lunch with me? Sure. A week passes by. We meet for lunch in Jonesboro. Next thing I know, he's man, you're you're a big dude. I was like, ah, yeah, I work at it. Yeah. He goes, you need to meet my brother Trey. He's a part of a little team called Team Impact. Let me give him your number. Bet that sounds like a good idea. So a couple of weeks passed by, and on Thursdays, back then, 
the Matco truck guy came through at my place of employment to sell tools, but he always came at nine thirty. I mean, on the dot, right? Mm. Yeah. And I couldn't get signal inside the shop. Matco man's late. Noon rolls around, still hasn't come through. Two thirty rolls around, he finally shows up. As soon as I hit the door to walk outside, phone rings. Trey Tally. I need to meet you. We end up meeting in Bentonville. I watch one of their programs. Next thing I know, I'm on a plane going to Detroit to do a five-day stint, hitting schools, like three schools a day, up on stage at night. The most people at that time that was in the audience, whenever I was speaking, was uh, 1,200, which was phenomenal for me because, you know, the churches I've been pastoring and, and attending, you know, maybe three at the most. Yeah. So that, that was a big difference. But to get up on stage and to be a part of the team impact situation, people literally doted on you. The, from the moment you walked out of the hotel room, you had individuals picking you up, taking you to eat, taking you to the first school kids screaming your name teachers just in all of what you're doing because we're muscular we got we're, mm, we're yeah. veiny we're you know we're huge we're bending pipes gorillas oh yeah and yeah. and then at school you can't talk about god don't yeah. do drugs listen to your mom you know the whole hulk hogan thing right, eat your right. vitamins and obey your parents right. um but we use that as a springboard well whenever i was with them we used that as a springboard to get them to come to the church that night and then we had pyrotechnics, we had ice, we had, you know, whatever you could imagine. We was blowing up hot water bottles until they exploded. We were breaking baseball bats over our backs, over our knees, you know, and, and doing wow. all that stuff. And all the kids were just wild-eyed, and the, the parents were like, wow. And then you slowed everything down, and we had one individual that would give their testimony, which was what I did because I was very, very new. I was very green at that. Mm. And then we had another individual to give their sermon, if you will. And during that five days, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody because I put myself in the same category, but we had what people would imagine as meatheads preaching the word of God. Like I'd never heard it before. So passionate, so loving, so, intellectual that's you know it's interesting that you said that because a lot of the people that so-called meatheads that i've ran into in gyms and encountered have been the more intellectual people that i've had conversations with it's because we're driven okay and and i don't mean to say that like um cocky yeah but if you are driven enough to put your body into that kind of position you're also driven enough to want to exercise your mind as well wow yeah and it's, it's the drivenness it, it, you truly see someone you know look at arnold yeah. and i know he's very secular um but he's a super intellect too. yeah yeah you know, loves to read loves to learn super driven yeah super driven individuals so that's interesting So you were up on stage giving your testimony and there's all these gospel-centered dudes around you and y'all are just traveling. And if you're not careful, it starts to look, you start to feel like a rock star. 
So vanity starts to creep. Oh in. yeah, it would be so easy for an individual in a situation like that to become vain mm-hmm. and to stop missing the point, which obviously the point is to get Christ out there. Right. In in areas that maybe have never heard his name in a true sense, in a true light. You know, it's one thing to tell the stories about Noah and Samson and, and everything else, and it's another thing to truly talk about the grace and the love of God for what it is. Wow. And it's something yeah. we can't imagine. Right. Exactly. So. What an incredible journey. <laughs> it, it's been wild. You know, I'm 36 years old, and I've I've done a lot. Yeah. And I haven't went very far. Yeah. So exactly. You've got a lot left. Yes. A lot left to give. Okay. So let's get into some of these questions. All right. I'm ready. All right. You ready? Question one. All right. What are the greatest challenges in your ministry and how has God used those challenges to grow you? Um, the first thing I'd, I'd say to that is you cannot be worried about hurting people's feelings Mm. as a leader. Um, and I know that sounds pretty, I don't know, cold, if you will. Yeah. But the reality for me is if God is pushing me or, or really desiring me to go in one direction, I can't allow someone's feelings to change the course of that. Um, I have to be intuitive of their feelings and I have to care, but I cannot allow them to change God's will and plan for my life. Right. And I guess the best way, the best example is whenever I left Delaplane and I wasn't going anywhere. Like I was just leaving Delaplane. Yeah. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, God had it planned for me to be at Stanford, obviously. But in my mind, that wasn't set in stone. I was just leaving Delaplane because God said it's time to go. And I fought that for about three months. And whether anybody else noticed it or not, me and my wife did. The congregation suffered. The numbers fell. The Not just the attendance, but also the attention dropped. Uh. For the people who were there, it was almost like they were unplugged. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever God said, I need you to go, and I said, no, we're doing great things here. Yeah. And my wife was like, no, we'll hurt so many people's feelings. And we, we we did. Whenever we left, it was, they didn't want us to go and we didn't want to go. But I knew that's what God wanted us to do. And and, and that's the situation I'm talking about whenever I say we, you cannot worry about that. Right. You, you have to just, you, you just have to follow God. Right. Because all throughout, to, all throughout the gospel, we see men chase after God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, we look at, I look at the life of Paul a lot. Oh, Paul is such an amazing study, yes. Yeah. So Paul is constantly on the move, it seems. And that oftentimes in situations he doesn't want to be in. Oh, yeah. But situations that God has called him to be in, right? Getting right. outside that comfort zone. So instead of listening to other people, we take the word of God right. and we apply it. And that's difficult. No matter what someone thinks, that's that's hard. Mm. You know, it's even hard for Paul. Paul said, "Well, I'm going to go over there," and God said, "No." Yeah. You know, so I'm going to shipwreck you. <laughs> yeah, you're not going there. You're going to be here for a minute. Yeah, and you're going to do this, and then I'll take you over there. Right. Wow. So, I mean that 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 would be, and and how to push through it, prayer. 
prayer. You know, and I know that sounds really stereotypical or, you know, nonchalant, but, but prayer is pretty serious. You know, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Whenever people tell you, well, I don't know how to pray, you know, my answer is if, if it's a friend, my answer is you're right, you don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because until you figure it out on your own, nobody can teach you. Right. The, the greatest teaching tool as far as prayer goes is what a lot of people call the Lord's Prayer, which it really isn't. It's the disciples' prayer mm. because Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray. Right. And if you notice, it was all about God's glory. Hallowed yeah. be thou name. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done. And it is all about God. It wasn't anything about the disciples. What did they ask for? Daily bread and forgiveness. Mm. You know, how many times should we ask for that new boat or the new car or help me get this promotion? Yeah. That's very selfish. God's not yeah. a genie. Yeah. He, and whenever we actually get down to God, please allow me to understand your will. And I'm also a firm believer in never asking God why. I don't think it's a pertinent question because he doesn't have to answer you. Mm. He he can willingly and gracefully answer how or when or what. What am I to do with this experience? How do I get through it? When will it be over? When will you show me the light? But never why. Wow. The answer to why is because he said so. Wow. Yeah. I am who I am. I am. That's that. That's a superior God. That yeah. is a, you know, a God that is, is autonomous. That's, yes, that's Him. Exactly. So those are some definite, definite challenges. Yeah. Second question: What are outside of prayer and daily um, reading, okay. biblically? Uh, what are one to two things that you do daily to kind of enrich your life or your spirituality or um, even your leadership? Well, I would start by saying in Proverbs, we're told that in everything that we do, we're to acknowledge God. And I take that very literal. Um, the acknowledgement of God and everything that we do is so important to your daily walk. Um, people say, well, I acknowledge God whenever I get dressed because I've got scriptures on my clothes. Well, that's fine. Hmm. Or I acknowledge God whenever I put the gold necklace with the cross on my neck. Okay, I see that. But it doesn't have to be that literal either. Mm. You can you can back that up a little bit. Are you dressing modestly? Are you dressing to perform? And whenever I say you perform, I mean to be prepared for the day. What are you going to face? You know, as a man, I'm I'm very. I don't know. I don't want to say masculine. I'm I'm very protective of my family. So if we're going on a trip, you'll never catch me in flip flops. You know, if, if always we're, prepared, huh? if we're going past 20 miles away from the house, there's a ready bag in the car. And I do that because I know God has sent me to this earth to protect those people who are around me. Right. That's my job. That's that's what I am as head of the household. Right. So I'm acknowledging God in everything that I do um, by training my body, by training my mind. Whenever I meet somebody, I never meet a stranger and I always meet them with a smile because that's the way Jesus would have met them. He didn't care what they've done in the past. He didn't care what they were doing at that particular time. He met them with a smile, and he met them with a heart. 
and it was after the meeting things changed right how they reacted how they spoke how they moved then so i guess the one thing that i try to do is try to be as close in my walk with christ every day you know it's not getting in a dark room it's not you know doing things it's it's being aware being aware yes just being aware because a lot of times in a culture where we numb ourselves with either food alcohol or technology being aware is no longer a priority for us yeah you know, I try to teach my son that every time we walk into Walmart, I want to, I want him to be able to know what the first three people he saw shirt color was. You know, just be aware of your surroundings wow. at all times. And if you do that, you can be aware of what God wants you to be. Right. So, so being more in tuned. Yeah. To your surroundings. Be And, and know that God is, is there. He's, he's, he's always in control. Right. Right. So that takes on that, that kind of spiritual aspect of things where I grew up in a Southern Baptist church where we didn't really, you know, the Holy Spirit was there, like we knew he was there, but we didn't really want to play with him. Right. Right. And I'm starting to find out that, uh, the more that you do invite and the more you are, um, adhering and listening, the more you're going to start to hear Mm. and the more overwhelming that you, you, you feel the spirit kind of, press on into your life have you felt any of those kinds of those moments as your leadership and your growth in christ have changed and matured have you felt more of the spirit in your ministry oh absolutely absolutely um i i guess to answer that question the best is whenever i just this sounds so bad whenever i let go and let god in my sermons because there's weeks whenever I've been thinking about a subject or a topic or just a pinpoint detail, I want to preach on this and I want to preach on it hard. And I, for some reason, I've got this in my head. And the older I get in my ministry, the more I realize that I need to let go of that. And God's mm-hmm. going to take me wherever he wants me to be. And even outside of that, on a personal level, you know, I'm I'm a huge believer in the Holy Spirit is here in a blanketing facility. Yeah. And whenever you get to places, we're blessed by living in the Bible Belt. I mean, if people don't understand that, they need to go outside the Bible Belt and see it. Right. First time I ever felt yeah. that is whenever I stepped off the plane in Michigan, in Detroit, for Team Impact. It felt different. I was confused and a little scared. Because I didn't know what it was. Um, now I know that it's literally the absence of the multiplication of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He, he is watching. He is caring. He is loving. But he also resides in us personally. We are the temple of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's say in this room right now there's three individuals. So I'm going to assume that you're a saved individual. Um, He's talking to Presley. Yeah. Our, our wonderful producer over here. Um, so in this room, you have the blanketing of the Holy Spirit, and then you have three temples where he resides. Mm-hmm. So it's multiplied three. Right. Um, that, that's the way I look at that. Yeah. So whenever I stepped off of Detroit, you could sense a retraction of that. It wasn't as fluent. It wasn't as saturating. Uh, just this past week, my family and I went to uh, the Bahamas. 
Yeah. And we've taken trips before. We've we've been to, you know, Memphis, we've been to St. Louis, we've been to various places. We've even been to New Orleans, where a lot of people think is, you know, pretty anti Christian, just very heavy, dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I felt more apprehensive in the daylight in the, on the streets of Nassau than I did in the dark in New Orleans. Wow. And it was just, you know, not only living in the Bible Belt, but also living in America. If you don't think this is a blessing, then you you truly don't know. Um, and I say that from the very little experience that I have, yeah. that, that America is such an amazing country because God's hand has been on it for so long. And uh, not to get political, but if we don't do something soon, I'm afraid it's not going to be there no yeah. more. Yeah, things could so, slip very quickly. <laughs> yeah, and I know that's kind of a rabbit track from the, the question, but yes, I, I have seen the Holy Spirit be more in tuned in my life as I'm more in tuned with Him. That's exactly, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> question three, here we go. All right. We're only on three. Good Lord. <laughs> Who is someone that you have looked to for guidance and leadership? Oh, on a personal level, there are uh, there's several. Yeah, uh, Brother Marion Gramlin, love that man. That man. Whenever you talk about having my pastor mm-hmm. as a pastor, you know, obviously your pastor, quote unquote, isn't in your church. It's the one you grew up with. It's the one you cut your teeth with. Right. Uh, Brother Marion Gramlin, um, Brother Ben Colson. Uh, he's no longer with us. He passed away uh, last month. Um, he was very dear and true to my heart. Uh, he's he's the man that pa- baptized me the first time. Brother Marion's baptized me the second time. And then, you know, there's there's the great leaders of this uh, Greek County Baptist Association. I, uh, I have a very fond heart of uh, Jason Knoll. Uh, yes. Tracy Archibald, love the band. Dave White. And there's many more, not to leave anybody out. But to answer the question in the very best way I can is a man by the name of Charles Abernathy. He was my grandfather uh, by marriage, but I hope he's all right with me saying he was mine. I'm Uh, sure. uh, (laughs) Knowing him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. he he was an awesome man, and we lost him several years ago. And uh, he's the one that I would phone call. He was the one that I'd go visit. He's the one that... Because not only would was he willing to talk to me about spiritual and biblical things, but he's also, you know, with 50-plus years' experience in the ministry, he was, oh, I remember whenever I had a deacon that acted like this, this is what I did. Right. Or I remember whenever we had a situation in the church like this, this is what I did. And it was it was such a treasure, treasure trove of information I miss him so dearly because he was such a wonderful, wonderful man. Right. And I thank him so, so much for, for the way he ro- raised his boys yeah. and his girls. Um, his, one of his daughters is my mother-in-law, and um, I love her dearly. Right. I, I do. And just just everything about his life, in my opinion, was geared towards God. Was he perfect? No. Was he an awesome, great man of God? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like that gospel, you know. God sends out these imperfect people to take on Christ, who is perfect, and mm-hmm. and in that process, we see some people really reach that upper tier of kind of 
somebody that you can trust and somebody that can lead and takes on that um, that that personified version of of who Christ has called us to be. Yeah, he was he was. You know, I, I don't want to put him up on a pedestal or anybody think different. But whenever Paul said, "If you want to follow Christ, follow me," I, he's right there in that category for mm. me. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So, question four is a a question that I love. Okay. And I'm, I'm probably going to ask it every podcast because I love this question because just simply because of what it means just to me in my own life. Okay. But. What would you tell your 20-year-old self mm. about preparing for a leadership role and position? Oh, goodness. Yeah, it's hard, right? <laughs> it does because you don't have enough time. Yeah. Um, no, in all honesty, um, what we was talking about earlier with the vanity, mm-hmm. um, that's part of my life. You know, people – okay, everybody says – that I was born with a sin. You're, you're born with a sin. It mm-hmm. just is what it is. We're born sinners, right? And mine is pride. Totally depraved. Uh, totally depraved, yes. Yeah. Get that in there. Um, but mine, mine was pride, or is pride. Vanity, pride. And in that, even being a leader, once you get one to follow you, it builds this hunger. Oh, yeah. And then you get two. And then before you know it, you got a congregation of 20, of 50, a hundred. Um, before you know it, you're standing on stage in the outskirts of Detroit preaching to 1,200, mm. 1,300. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to me, I would be like, Adam, focus on God. Because your darkest moments in your ministry are going to be the moments you stop looking at God. Mm. Whenever you try to fix the problems on your own. Whenever you try to battle depression, I've battled depression. Whenever you try to battle depression on your own, right. whenever you try to right. take care of things, just it sounds so cliche, but let God in because the hardest part of your ministry is whenever you don't let God in, mm. whenever you shut him out. Yeah, exactly. And and we do it without knowing it. We do it without, I guess, being aware and there, that goes back to the awareness of God. You keep him. It's almost like, you know, people take medications for various things. I take medication for high blood pressure, yeah. uh, case in point. Other people take medication for other things. If you take a good dose of God every single day, yeah, yeah, you know, it'll it'll keep that from happening. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would I would tell me to get over yourself and understand this isn't you. Yeah, this is God. Yeah, that's just, totally. Yeah, just be a vessel. I can't think of how many leaders. Would want to tell their twenty-year-old <laughs> self that it would save a whole lot of heartache. Yeah, for sure. You just for sure. get over yourself. So, question five, kind of our last question. All right. Uh, I may throw one bonus in there. Okay. What books, resources, or, or guys do you, or are you currently learning from right now? Okay. Well, obviously the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not a firm believer in there's only one version. Yeah, I I believe that that God has thrown the King James, the New King James, the NIV, the Holman, you name it, it's out there. Except for the Message, I'm not going to endorse that one. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, and if I want to read a novel, I'll read somebody else. But in all honesty, I, 
I love the John Phillips commentaries. Mm. They're, they're so insightful. Right. I love R.C. Sproul. Hey. I love R.C. Sproul. Um, right now I'm reading, um, is it Scripture Alone, I think yeah. is the name yeah. of it. And that's not the first book I've read by him, nor will it be the last. Right. But there's also an uh, individual that I'd like to uh, kind of put out there, put on everybody's radar, and that's Tom, T-H-O-M, S. Rainier. Yeah. And he's got a yeah. couple books. Uh, I am a church member. Who moved my pulpit? I love that Who one. Who moved my pulpit? I love yes. that one because I, I, whenever I was reading that, that was me. Right. You know, walked in there and the dude's like, who moved my pulpit? <laughs> and I, I've had moments like that. It's like you walk in the church and somebody changed something that you specifically wanted one way and all of a sudden it's you against the congregation. Uh. And those are so touchy. But he is a down-to-earth writer. Um, if you're looking for true theology, it's that's really yeah. not there. Um, yeah. But if you're looking for a really good Christian help, yeah, man, he and he writes so well. Uh, there's short books. There, there's nothing overbearing. Nothing, you know, over overdone. It's it's just yeah. I used some of his stuff in college. I remember. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's just fun. You know, whenever you're reading, and, and no offense, but whenever you're reading John Phillips and R.C. Sproul and some of the older, you know, you got to break Ed, it up. He's like, I need something here, <laughs> yeah. man. I, I got to have something. Exactly. Man. And Rainier is an amazing resource yeah. for anybody who's looking for something just to to break up the monotony. Well, good. Good so. deal. Yeah, I definitely sprawl is heavy, but oh man, so knowledgeable. Ligonier Ministries yeah. in the in the headphones. I have, <laughs> I have. Oh my goodness, I think I, I've listened to all of them. Twice. His stuff on apologetics is it, it's incredible. Yeah, and it's so. It, okay, so Rainer, he's he's the man. All right, so we'll kind of end this podcast. Um, I give me a quote or a saying that you kind of live by. Uh, live by. Uh, one that, that that stays on my heart and it keeps my it keeps my missionary mind fueled is and honest to goodness I don't even know if he's a Christian or atheist but what he said was so right on and his name is Stuart Chase mm-hmm. and he said for those who believe no proof is necessary for those who do not believe no proof is possible wow and it, it's so true and it, it goes for everything I can't talk you into believing in God. Right. No matter how I live my life, no matter what I say, it's between you and God. That has ultimately, I was told by Jesus to put his word and his ministry out there. And I do it because he said so. Right. Whenever the end of the day, it's your decision. So I have no guilt about what happens because that's on you. Yeah. If I've done my job by listening to Christ and putting God's word out there, then I have no guilt. Yeah. Planting seeds. Planting seeds. I can't, I can't make them grow. Right. I can just put them out there. Yeah. That's hard. It is. It is for, for a, lot a lot of people, people. To, yeah. to take on. To. On, on either side of the fence. Yeah. You, you've got individuals who, if you don't get saved, then they're just worried about it and frantic about it. God's time. I've seen people get saved. I was nine years old. I've seen people, I, I know an individual, he's no longer with us, but he was uh, 80 plus mm. when he got saved. Is that wow. a wasted life for God on earth? Yeah. 
but it was God's choice. So how can you fault that? Yeah. So exactly. the reality to me is God's going to do what God's going to do. People are going to do what they're going to do. And I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So, you know, I just put it out there. And I love everybody. One of my, one of my closest and dearest friends is an atheist. And I love him like a brother. And I'll never stop loving him. Mm. No matter what he says, no matter what he does, I'll always love him. And there's a lot of people out there who are Christians that would have gave up a long time ago. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you don't hear anything else that you heard today, listen to this. Never give up. Because you're not doing it for that person, you're doing it for God. Wow. So. That's extremely insightful. Well, Adam, I really appreciate you coming on. And, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. And this is definitely not going to be Adam's last time. He's actually going to start uh, kind of co-hosting. That'd be great. Uh, along with us. Uh, I mean, kind of. Kind of walk us in the right direction. Can you give me a microphone? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Presley does not get a microphone. We got to we got to make that known. <laughs> but I'm just kidding, man. But uh, it, it was great talking to you. Great gospel conversation. And I hope I hope that a lot of people have have learned and have um, found something within this podcast today that that would spur some change. Change. It's it, that's. You know, people fear a lot of things, but at, at the inside of that fear is always change. Yeah. So, yeah, don't be afraid of change, folks. Exactly. Okay. Well, that about does it. Thank you guys for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you. Um, as always, continue refining and reforming, and we'll see you next week.